Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Well, good morning, church. Sure good to see you today. Welcome to the morning worship service here at Open Bible. And we're sure glad you're here. I trust you're glad you're here. And if you're a guest, we, uh, we welcome you. I hope you feel just part of the family today. And uh, again, on the way out the door, I trust you'll stop by our welcome desk. Let us know you were here. We have a special gift prepared for you. Hey, open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of James this morning and the second chapter, James chapter number two, please. And I want you to, I want you to take a look at verse number eight with me, James chapter number two and uh, verse number eight. Are you there? James two, verse eight. Look what it says there. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I want you to say those next three words with me. Ye do well. Ye do well. Say it nice and loud. Ye do well. How many of us want to do well? I want to do well. Don't you? You know what the opposite is, right? Or the alternative is what? Not doing well. You know, I want to do well, and I'm sure you want to do well. In fact, I think I said last week, when I get to stand before the Lord, I would love to hear him say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. <laughs> Amen? How about you? Aren't you looking forward to that? You know, we're going to stand before him one day, and I certainly want to hear him say, I don't need a pat on the back, but I do want to hear those words, you know, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so here in this text, in this one verse, and we're going to study through a couple of verses, but in this one verse, it says this, if thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. So how is it that you and I can do well? Okay, you're pretty slow this morning. How is it that you and I can do well? Well, by our treatment of others, correct? Now, I want you to stay. I want you to just, I want you to zoom in on that this morning. Right? I mean, the whole message this morning is going to be based upon our treatment of others. And that's what James speaks about here. Let me fill you in on a secret. I'll mention this again, I promise you, before the service is over. But let me fill you in on this secret. The way you can judge the maturity of a child of God, how mature we are in Christ, is based upon how we treat others. Right? And so if you're really looking for maturity, in a child of God's life, here's what you ought to do. You ought to try to catch a glimpse of how well they treat others or how they treat others because that's a mark of maturity. Your treatment of others, my, the way we treat others is a mark of spiritual maturity. Did you get that? And that's what James speaks about here in this text. I want you to look at verse number eight again and look at the two words, the royal law, or the three words, the royal law. You see that? So what is the royal law? You've heard that before, right? The royal law. It's been in our Bibles for a while now. The royal law. Well, according to this text, the royal law is based upon this. 
It's, it's you and I loving others, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, correct? Now, I'm not going to get into that uh, text of Scripture or that statement, you know, about loving ourselves. It's certainly not mm, uh, encouraging us to be conceited or filled with self, correct? In fact, you know, the Bible teaches this. When we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we get saved, the Lord then gives us a pretty good, uh, a pretty good balanced approach on how to accept self and love self, right? Prior to that, there's some of us that couldn't stand self. And then there's others of us who think, how does this world manage without me? Right? And so, uh, but when you get saved, when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, he gives us a really good uh, assessment, a really good idea on how we to view ourselves. And so we ought to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That's the royal law. Are you with me? But what makes it royal? I mean, why is it not just the law? Why is it the royal law? Say amen right there. Huh? Now, if we had time, I would let you speak, you know, back at me, but uh, we don't have time for that, you know, in the morning service. Uh, but some would say this. I think if you were to answer, some would say, well, preacher, I think it's the royal law because it's a principle that Jesus established. And that would certainly make it royal. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, he is the king of kings. And so it's the royal law because it's a principle that the Lord establishes for you and I to live by. And that would not be a bad assessment, correct? I mean, that would be a pretty good answer. But the fact of the matter is, the royal law was around longer on earth longer than Jesus was. In fact, we can trace it all the way back to the law of Moses. Leviticus 19, verse number 18. Look, look, look at the screen. The Bible says, Thou shalt not avenge, nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Are you with me? And so, uh, what is it that makes the royal law the royal law? Well, it's not so much because we read it in the New Testament and it's sanctioned by Jesus. And we know this, Jesus was all about others. And many times in the New Testament, you read uh, about how you and I ought to treat others and respect others and care for others and love others. No, the fact of the matter is, this was a principle established way back, way back when God was beginning to mm, uh, cultivate and create culture for his people, right? And it's royal, it's king of laws because Galatians chapter 5 and verse 14, look at the screen again. It says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word or in this, uh, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Are you with me? And so what the Lord is saying is simply this. I mean to tell you, it, you know, you can't go on and really say, well, I keep the law unless, unless your treatment of others is the way it ought to be. The royal law. But did you ever hear about the golden rule? <laughs> right? I want this side to say the, the, the royal law and this side to say the golden rule. Are you ready? The and the you know they're connected, right? In fact, someone, someone said this, they're, they're kind of like relatives. They're cousins, they're first cousins, right? Uh, the golden rule, the Bible says, you ought to love your neighbor as you love yourself, uh, uh, the, the royal law. The golden rule is you ought to treat people the way you would want them to treat you. And so what's the connection? 
The connection is simply this, it's others. It's others. And in God's economy, what he's trying to build into us is this, we ought to care about others the way we want others to care about us. We ought to love others the way we love ourselves. Isn't that right? Now, you know this about James. We've been studying through the book of James here. In fact, we got away from it because of Christmas and the holidays and the beginning of the new year. But getting back to it, you know this, James does not mix words. Right? I mean, to tell you, he's kind of like one of those, one of those you know, in-your-face kind of guys. What's on his mind comes out of his mouth. Right? I mean, he, he doesn't, no, no pretense. He just says it like it is. And here in, in the book of James, uh, he draws a clear line in the sand. And what he, what he teaches us is this. What he teaches us is what we ought to do and what we should not do as members of God's family. Right? What we should do and what we shouldn't do as God's church. I like that, don't you? I like it when someone just comes out and says it like it is. Right? Don't tiptoe. Don't dance around it. Now, I don't, I don't think we ought to be crude. We don't need to be offensive, correct? But I think we ought to speak the truth in love. Don't you agree? And here in this check, uh, text, James just very clearly lays out the specifics as to what God expects from us as his church. Are you with me? What we ought to do and then what we shouldn't do. And, and he makes it very clear. Now, pay attention to this. He makes it very clear in this text that partiality, favoritism, and discrimination are not a part of God's program. How many of you agree? Partiality, favoritism, and discrimination are just not a part of God's program. In fact, he says this, it occurs in the church, but it shouldn't. Because when it does, it creates a bad testimony for the church of Christ. Isn't that right? And it's sad to say that some of these things, partiality, I'm going to take my jacket off if you don't mind. It's really warm under these lights. Partiality and favoritism and, and, and discrimination, right? They really do. It exists in the church of Christ, but it, it shouldn't. Don't you agree? And so I want you to notice this morning, and I, I, don't want you to, I, I don't want you to get offended by the message. I don't want you to get upset. But I want you to be encouraged. And I want you to be able to look deep inside your heart because I know, I know some of us would say this, oh, man, I, I'm, there's no prejudice in me. I never show favoritism. I was in Florida this past week and got a chance to visit with my, my son-in-law, my daughter. I have four children, six grandchildren. And I got a chance to visit with my two granddaughters. And my eldest granddaughter lives there, you know, and she's 15 now, you know. And, and I think the gap between her and her sister, which was the second grandchild, is, or my grandson, uh, is probably like five years, you know? And so I had the little girl around for a long period of time. And so when I was getting ready to leave on Friday, uh, she met me in the kitchen there, and she said, Pop, please don't go. And I said, okay, call Grandma. <laughs> I promise I'll stay, you know? I said, but I said, sweet, I have to go. You know that. And she said, well, I am your favorite, right? <laughs> I said, yes, but don't tell anybody else. <laughs> you know, 
but, but look here, even though we, we, love, we love to say, well, man, there's not, a, there's not a bone in my body that is discriminate. There's not a bone in my body that shows favoritism. I would never show partiality. Sometimes we ought to just, you know, kind of rethink that and really examine our hearts, right? So let's take a look at what James uh, says here on the subject. He gives good, clear instruction. Beginning in verse number one, look at the exhortation. Now let's read it. I'm going to read it out loud. You read it with me. He says, my brethren have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. You know, when you read through the Bible, when you read through the New Testament, faith is paramount, right? Isn't that right? You get into the New Testament, everything's by faith. You know, we're saved by faith. We're kept by faith. We're going to go home by faith. We live by faith. We walk by faith. Faith, 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 right? I mean, everything about our Christian life is faith. It's based upon our trust, our belief in God and his word. But here in this text, uh, he speaks about an item that's not related to faith. Did you see it? Verse 1, he says, my brethren, have not the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ with respect of persons. In other words, what he's saying is this, having faith in Jesus and showing favoritism or partiality or being discriminate is not compatible. Oh, thank you, three people got that. Are, are you with me? He said this, he said, if you are, if you are, uh, if you're prejudiced and if you are discriminate, if you discriminate, then you are not showing the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ in this text of scripture. Amen? Now stay with me now. I want you to see this uh, because, because what he says is, is it, it, it go, it, even though it shouldn't, it is, it is visible in the church of Christ. Right? There ought not be discrimination. We ought not discriminate. And we ought not show partiality. And there should not be favoritism. But why is it? Can I tell you why it is? Because somewhere, somewhere, somewhere in life, it's gotten built into us. I mean, think about it. It's all about us, right? Uh, we, we, see, we see this kind of attitude in society. Isn't that right? I mean, people are pushed aside simply because they don't fit into a, so, a certain social segment. Did you, ever hear about, did you ever hear about situation ethics? Have you heard situation ethics? You know what that means? It's real simple. If you don't fit into the situation... You got to go, right? And so we see it, we see, you know, we see this kind of, we kind of see this discrimination in our society. We, we see it, we see it, uh, you know, and I hate to bring this up, but it's there. You know, we see it racially, where people are pushed, to pushed aside because of the color of their skin or because of their ethnic background. Huh? And they are discriminated against. Can I share with you, can I share with you this? Uh, even though we don't like to admit it, it really does exist. It does. And sad to say, it's sad to say that, you know, when people come to church and they're discriminated against, it's a bad testimony. Right? It's a bad testimony. Saved people should look, we should look at people differently. And I, 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 love, I, I love this statement, I don't see color, Pastor. Oh, sure you do. Just be honest. Sure you do. 
Look here, look here. I'm not sure if you recognize this or not, but Brother Bob Smith and I are two different colors. And I'll be honest with you, I like his color better. Huh? I go to Florida, man. I love to get out in the sun and get tanned. And, you know, my wife says, put the sunscreen on and all that kind of stuff. But what am I trying to do? I'm trying to darken the color of my skin. I see color. Hello? But we're not to judge based upon color. Hello? Just because he's a different color than I doesn't mean we're different. I mean, I mean to tell you, look here, we both came into this world the same way. Isn't that right? We caused somebody pain. His mama and my mama. I mean, they both said, get him out. In fact, when I was born, I was so ugly, they slapped my mother. <laughs> get him out. Help me here. Huh? And so James, James here is, is saying this to God's people. If we show partiality, favoritism, if, if, if we discriminate, if there's some prejudice, then we have not the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you know what he does? He gives us an example in verse number two. He wants, he's really going to drive this point home. Look what he says in verse two. He says, for if there come unto your assembly. Now, what's he talking about here? Here's what he's talking about. Let's, let's just get down to where the rubber meets the rose. He says, if there walks into the back door of your church, right, into your assembly, and then he, he lays it out, a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment. What makes his raiment vile? Well, he's not meeting our standard, our dress code. I'll say amen right there, please. What makes it vile? I tell you what it is, he's not met the same standard that was established. Come on, church. Uh-huh. And he says this in verse 3, and, and you have respect to him that weareth the gay, now I, I, I know I say gay clothing, but what he's trying to talk about is just, you know, good dress, right? Uh, and say unto him, sit thou here in a good place, but then you say to the poor, stand thou there or sit here under my footstool, you are, not, are, are you not then partial in your thoughts to become judges of evil thoughts? Huh? Now, you, again, is James is trying to illustrate the point. He's trying to give us a word picture. Correct? And we, we I mean, it's pretty visible for us. How many of us have been around a church like this for, for a length of time? Right? And so let's just be honest. Somewhere written, somewhere written, maybe you have to strip the wallpaper but somewhere written is this code of ethics where when you go to church, you put on your Sunday best, right? And for men, it's, 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 a, it's a suit, you know, and, and a shirt and a tie and, and dress shoes and socks and a belt, huh? Right? And so now get the picture. James paints us a picture of a fundamental church on a Sunday morning. Hello? Yeah, you missed it. Look what he said there in verse number two. He said, uh, if, For if they're coming to your assembly, a man, and so uh, this is our assembly. And for many, 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 many years, I mean, the dress code, you know, our Sunday best, and I'm not putting anything up or down, I'm just preaching the word. Don't read into it. Don't think you know what I'm thinking. 
I don't even know what I'm thinking. <laughs> so we have somebody come in, and I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're just dressed nice. I, was, I almost said properly, but what is proper? They have clothing on. I've passed it in Florida for the last nine years. I'm thankful they come in with something on. You know, so, but they come in dressed nice. So the, the, guy's, got, the guy's got on a really nice suit and, and uh, shirt tie and all, all the accoutrements. You know what that is, right? He's got the pocket hanky. You know, he's got a nice little something, something on his tie. Huh? Right? I mean, he's got on a really nice watch. According to the scripture, he's Mr. Goldfinger. He's got, he's got rings on his finger. You see that? Huh? Gold ring and... Right? But then, but then, I mean, right behind this fellow, right behind, and by the way, when he comes in, you know, and he's a visitor, and so the ushers, man, they immediately, you know, hey, let me find your seat. Good to have you with us, sir. But then right behind him comes in the fellow, and let's just, let's just say like it is, and again, don't, don't think what, don't try to imagine what I'm thinking here. Comes in a guy, and he's got a pair of jeans on, you know, and maybe it's summertime, so he's got a polo shirt on. Or maybe right now, it's wintertime, he's got a hoodie on. You wear hoodies? Yeah. And so when he comes in, you know, according to some, he's dressed in vile raiment. Why? Because he's not meeting this unspoken dress code. Say amen right there. Huh? Now, let me just clearly say this. For me, honestly, as long as people have clothing on, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I think, uh, let me be clear with this. I don't want you leaving out of here thinking the wrong thing. I, I think there ought to be some decorum, right? Uh, I, I'll be honest with you, though, and I'm going to say this very clear. I would not mind taking this tie off right now. It wouldn't bother me in the least. It would bother some of you because you think the only way I can preach is if I have a tie on. <laughs> Trust me, I could preach in a, in a T-shirt. Hello, wake me up at 9, 9.15 in the morning or 9.15 at night and say, preach, and I'm preaching. <laughs> but because somewhere, somewhere this rule has been established, I know it's in the book of Hezekiah someplace. <laughs> book of Hezekiah. We got, this, we got this established dress standard. Huh? Are you with me? And so don't, don't think you, don't, don't imagine you think you know what I'm saying, because if somebody came in with a suit on, praise God, and if somebody came in with jeans and a polo uh, or, or a hoodie, praise God, I'm just glad they're here. Right? Now, if they want to, you know, if they want to, if they want to sing in the choir, we're not going to let somebody up here singing in the choir and just look disheveled, because we just want them to look nice, you know, and proper. You know, we want them to be dressed decent. I tell you, when I passed in Florida, it was a real challenge because it's a different world in Florida, you know? And so I come from the Northeast uptight. <laughs> Go to Florida, anything goes. You know, my, my first couple of weeks, everybody's clapping for everything. We never clapped in our church. People get up and sing. We don't clap. We've been taught that's voodoo. You go to hell for clapping in church. And so they're clapping, and I'm saying to myself, oh, man, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> and then everybody's hugging. We never hug. Men and women don't hug in church. You go to purgatory for that. <laughs> right? 
Huh? And now all these ladies are hugging me. I don't mean young ladies, old ladies, they're all hugging me. And I'm saying to my wife, is this okay? And guess what? After a couple of years, I'm clapping, hugging, having a good time. Because they were sincere. Are you listening real good? So what's the difference? So a guy comes in, he's dressed. And by the way, we're not talking about the ladies today. We're talking about the guys because that's what the Bible talks about. He comes in dressed in a really nice suit with all the accoutrements. Here comes a guy who's got a hoodie and a pair of jeans. What's the difference? The way they were treated. Because the dude who came in dressed to the nines kind of got preferential treatment. You know, are you, are you with me? And, and the guy who came in, and maybe let's, let's take it. Can we take it to the next level, church? And so maybe it's summertime. He came in, so he's got a little skin showing, and, you know, he's got a sleeve. Say, what, what's he talking about? He's got two tattoos from his elbows to his shoulder. Huh? And maybe, maybe he's got some earrings in. But he's pretty sharp. You know, he doesn't have the tattoos in his forehead or all the way up his neck or on his tongue. He's not pierced. All, his eyelids aren't pierced. And even if it was, it's still a human being that Jesus died for. But this guy, this guy, this guy is a police officer. This guy is an attorney. This guy's a doctor. And he's got a sleeve. Have you been to the hospital lately, to the doctor's office lately? Ladies have sleeves. It's part of our society. Am I saying, am I advocating for it? No, I'm just saying it's life. It's reality. Hello? And I would hope this. I would hope that the person who comes in in the jeans and the hoodie with the piercings and the tattoos would sit right there. Would sit right there and not be hidden in the back someplace. Why? Because they're just as much as God's creation as I am. And Jesus loves them just as much as me. But let's just be honest, church. You're getting, you're getting with this right now. But for some of us, it's just not so. Because we would look at that young lady who's got tattoos all over the place and say, what a disgrace. Look how she's disgraced. Why? Because her, you, you, you judged her by your appearance. And here's what happens when we show favoritism or discriminate, uh, discrimination or we are judging people. It's unfair. We're judging them in the court of public opinion. Hello? I was in the hospital not too long ago. Brother Tyler dropped me off and said, I'll pray for you. <laughs> I went in and got a bag of IV. I was dehydrated. And I'll tell you, I had two male nurses. I was so sick, I wouldn't have cared if they were aliens. <laughs> I mean, I was sick. I wasn't looking for, you know, what's a, what's a, what's a uh, Florence Nightingale? I didn't need all white. I just said, help. They both had tattoos all over the place and beards and earrings. But they knew what they were doing, man. And with about 30 minutes, 40 minutes time, I was feeling pretty good. Help me here. I didn't judge them and say, excuse me, but you can't put that in me. You have tattoos on. Get me somebody who doesn't. I may have never got a needle. You see what he's trying to drive home here, church? Huh? I, I would hope that Open Bible would never be the kind of place that is just so close-minded that it's got to be like this. Look here, we're living in the 21st century, and if you've not opened up your eyes, everything has changed rapidly. You say, well, preacher, does that mean we have to change to not what we believe? We're never going to change what we believe about this book and the doctrines that we 
We're never going to change the fact that we need to be more and more and more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. But the way I approach things, you know, the things that were important that really aren't important, the way we accept people based on what criteria, <laughs> hello, I would hope that we stay fresh, relevant, current, and up-to-date in all of that. Amen? So James gives us something to think about on the way out the door. Look in verse number five. He says, hearken. You know what that means? Pay attention. Listen up. Hello. That's what he said. Hello. Listen up. Hearken. Uh, verse five. My, hearken, my beloved. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats. Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you're called. And then he gets into the royal law. If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, ye what? Say it. You commit sin. You commit sin. Right? And are convinced of the law's transgressors. You know what a transgressor is? A transgressor is somebody who steps over the line. So God is, he's drawn the line, you know, right? Here, here's the Bible. God's drawn the line, and then we transgress. We step over the line. In this text of Scripture, the way we step over the line is by discriminating against somebody based upon the way they look. Help me here. Read on, verse number 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of... For he that said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, uh, yet uh, if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. That's another message in and of itself. <laughs> For he shall have judgment without mercy, that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. So there's a lot that can be said there. But in closing... James, James kind of gives us an assessment. And he, he, mentions, so he mentions, I'm going to just give you three thoughts on why we should end partiality. You ready for this? Real, real simple. Number one, this is so deep. The Lord doesn't show favoritism, so why should we? Right? Uh, look at verse number five again. Uh, Hath not God chosen who? The poor. The poor. Right? When you, when you think, about, think about the ministry of Jesus, right? You look through the New Testament. Uh, look, at, look at who it was uh, he was always companions with. I mean, think about his inner circle. Think about his team, right? Think about his team. You know, Peter, James, John. Do you know that James and John had nicknames? You know what their nicknames were? Sons of Thunder. Or soon angry ones. Or they had a short fuse. Hello? Peter. Think about Peter. You need not go any further. Peter. I mean, for, for us, he'd have been the guy who came in and sitting there may have called out, I don't believe that. Huh? Show me a guy's word. I mean, he was just outspoken. Correct? You know? I mean, cut off a guy's ear just because. Right? But these are the individuals that, that, and then Matthew, a tax collector. 
despised. Hello? The Lord showed no favoritism or partiality. He didn't just select doctors, lawyers, and Indian chiefs. Hello? No, not at all. Uh, a second thing to think about is this. When you think about it, no one's really worthy of favoritism or partiality. Right? I mean, do you ever hear this statement? You ever hear the statement? Hey, that guy puts his pants on just like I do. He may have more money in his pockets. <laughs> but it's one leg at a time. Hello? I said this a little bit ago about me and Brother, Brother Smith. We came into this world same way. Hello? Neither one of us has been virgin born. Hello? I don't think he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. If he did, he threw it away. Marion saying, where did where to go? Hmm? Who's worthy of favoritism? Look here, my, my, my granddaughter, my oldest granddaughter, I love with all my heart. I mean, she's the light of my life. I love her. But I, I, I love my second and third granddaughter just, just, just equally. I've been around my oldest granddaughter longer. She's probably gotten more from me. You know, it's just the way it is. I got three grandsons. And from 10 years old to, I guess, three years old, I love them equally. Now, my oldest grandson, I mean, he's 10, 11 years old, been around him longer. But when I'm with them, I, I don't say, Juliana, you sit here, and, Juli and Sophia, you sit over there. We're going to go to the store. You can have a cheesesteak, but you only get a cheeseburger. No, man. I mean, I walked out the door. I gave them both the same amount of money when I left, $2.50. <laughs> Split this five. <laughs> it's funny. I was joking around with my grandsons the other day. I was with my grandsons, and so my oldest grandson... You know, I was leaving out. I would just want to give him, you know, $5. And so I pulled out a five, and I gave it to the one grandson. I pulled out a 50, and I had, and boy, his eyes went, you ain't getting that. You ain't getting that, man. Huh? That's grandmom's. It was in her wallet. <laughs> Amen. And then, and then finally, here, here, here's the third reason, because the Lord requires equality. The Lord requires you and I to treat every person equally. And that's the person that you walk past at your favorite eatery or wherever. You go to get your coffee at Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or Wawa, and you see them outside begging. Instead of looking down upon them, just think, that could be me. That could be me. Are you with me? Huh? The Lord would have you and I to treat everyone the same. Because when we show partiality, we commit sin. We commit sin. Huh? And so the church, listen, church, the church should be open and welcomed, welcoming to everyone. Because when we discriminate, listen, folks, we dishonor our faith. We disgrace our fellowship. Isn't that right? And I don't think we have that testimony here. I think open Bible could also be called open door. Open Bible, open door. We are the church of the open Bible that has an open door. Come on in. Everyone is welcome. Amen? Everyone is welcome. That's the way it should be. Favoritism violates the standards of God. I read this some time ago about Gandhi. And Gandhi, Gandhi wrote this. He, he did an autobiography. You know what that is, right? Right? You're, you're, you know, you write it yourself. A biography, somebody writes about you. An autobiography, you write it yourself. Well, in his autobiography, he, he wrote that during his student days, he read the gospel 
and seriously be, considered becoming a Christian. Did you know that? Gandhi. And uh, he believed that the teachings of Jesus could, uh, he, in the teachings of Jesus, he can find a solution to the caste system that was dividing his, his people, you know, India. And so here's what he decided to do. On one Sunday, he decided to attend services at a local church. And he thought, I'm going to go in. I'm going to try to get a meeting with the, uh, with, 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 with the pastor. <laughs> and maybe he can give me some clarity, you know, on Christianity. And so he goes to the church. He comes in the back door. He's greeted by an usher. Thank God for ushers. Although some of them should never be an usher in a church. This one usher said to him, and now this, this is Gandhi speaking. I'm, I'm just repeating the usher said to him, excuse me, sir, but you need, to go, you need to go back to your own place of worship. Yeah. And so Gandhi left the church, never returned, and here's what he wrote, and I quote. He wrote, if Christians have, a caste, if Christians have caste differences also, I, I might as well remain a Hindu. Huh? I never forget this. My, the very first couple of years of my pastoring, a few years ago, uh, pastored a, you know, and, and back then, back then, you know what was most important about our movement back then? That the words on our sign said independent, fundamental, separated, sanctified, against everything. Because we were against so much, we didn't really know what we were for. That was our signs back then. And by the way, when you got past the sign, if you didn't read the sign and, and happened to get in, you knew that what was on the sign was going on inside. And I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. A couple came in one time, and they were a really sharp couple. A sharp couple. You know, and they came to a, a Sunday morning service, and they sat right back over in the center over here. And, uh, and they, they weren't dressed in what we would call Sunday best. He didn't have a, he didn't have a, uh, a suit and on a tie. He was, had a, uh, an open collar, button-down shirt, and a pair of dress trousers. Sharp-looking guy. I could tell he was Italian. He looked sharp. <laughs> and his wife sat next to him. She was dressed really nice, but she didn't have on a dress or a skirt. She had on a pair of... Uh, pair of slacks, and I mean dressed appropriately, you know, and, she, and they sat right over there, and, uh, and they did fill out a, a visitor card, and so I made it a point to go by and visit with them, and I did. I set up an appointment, called them, set up an appointment, went into the house. Long story short, I said, man, it was really nice having you, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. I would hope you come back, and they, were, they didn't hesitate. They said, Pastor, we loved, uh, you know, the, the, the program. The music was really good. The preaching was really, really good but we don't think we'll be coming back. And I said, would you tell me why? And this is exactly what the lady said to me. She said, Pastor, she said, I'm just going to tell you like it is. She said, we sat down, and the lady I sat next to, after about five minutes, said, you know, we don't dress like that at church here. Yeah. And I said, I, I know you don't know her name, but would you draw her picture for me? <laughs> I didn't say I kind of knew who it was because back then we had a few ladies in the church that were absolute Pharisees, and they made it their point to go over and correct all the issues in the church. And I remember saying this to that couple. I said, listen, I, I apologize on behalf of our church and on behalf of me and my wife. 
I said, however, the only person you need to be concerned about at our church is the pastor. Really, that's it. You don't come to church for that sister. You come to church for pastor. And if, if pastor didn't say anything to you, nor would he, because I'd rather you just be here, you know, then, then, you know, just get past it. And you know what they did? They did. And they joined the church, and they stayed with the church. And I mean, it's, and we're very, very almost best friends today. We still communicate with them all the time. But there was a lady who sat there and said, we don't dress like she knew they were first-time visitors. You know what I had to say about that? Look up here. Come on, man. Come on, man. I heard a story about a church in a, a little college town. And uh, it was one of those formal churches. I mean, you know, everybody dressed, you know, and the culture of the church was real traditional. And, you know, they sang their hymns according to the lady playing the old pipe organ. Fan of the opera, you know. And, but every September, when college was back in, in session, right, church, I mean, it would get packed, all these college kids, you know? And so on this one Sunday in September, the church was packed. The ushers were doing everything they could to find seats for people. About 10 minutes after the service started, in comes this young guy. He's got on a pair of shorts, flip-flops, T-shirt, you know? He walks in the back door. Usher reluctantly gives him a worship bulletin. You know, the young man must have said something like, hey, thanks, bro. You know, in a cultured church, the deacon would have, or the usher would have probably said, hmm, thanks, bro. Huh? I'd have said, thanks, dude. Uh, he walks in, and he's coming down the aisle. Nobody, of course, everybody's looking at him. He's got shorts on and flip-flops in the teeth. Everybody's looking at him, you know. Nobody's scooting over. Nobody did the Baptist scoot. <laughs> huh? No, and so he just keeps walking down the center aisle. He gets right down to the front here. And you know what he does? He just sat down. Right there. Crossed his legs and sat right there. And the people in the church were looking at each other like, well, right about that time, Deacon Bob Smith got up. <laughs> dressed as an ambassador. Did you ever see this guy dressed up? Don't he look like he's just an ambassador? He is. He's an ambassador for Christ. Well, Deacon Smith got up, you know, dressed in his suit, sharp as could be, that white hair, you know, comes around. And everybody's thinking, everybody's thinking, oh, <laughs> oh wait till Brother Bob gets up there. The Brother Bob comes out, and Marion says, what's he doing now? And he walks down the aisle right to where that young man is seated, legs crossed, center of the aisle, you know. And, and, and Brother Smith reaches down and says, hey, I'm Bob Smith. I'm one of the deacons here. Hope you, hope you enjoy the service. And he just lowers himself and sat right next to him for the remainder of the service. <laughs> and all the church said, Amen. Roger had to get up and help him get up because he couldn't get back. He couldn't get back up. Wouldn't you be proud of Brother Smith if he did that? How many of us would be absolutely stunned if he picked them up and threw them out the side door? Some wouldn't, but most of us would be. But I would think Brother Smith would come down and sit right now. So would James Kima, so would Kevin Lilia, so would Bob Fetton, so would Will McDonald, so would Steve Bethel. They're our deacons. So would Tyler Austin, so would Raji Smith, so would Aaron Angala. These are our leaders. Why? Because that's our heartbeat. In fact, if he sat right there, you know what I'd do? I'd take my tie off and I'd preach right down here. <laughs> hey, man, what's going on? What's your name? Billy? Good to have you with us, Billy. Hey, Billy's here! 
Who wants to sit with Billy? Huh? Wouldn't offend me in the least. Not in the least. Now, please, next Sunday, don't come sit on the floor. <laughs> I just see you camping out on the floor here, man, you know. Hey, let's make Pastor happy. <laughs> Amen. I would love to see Brother Bob sitting there once again. <laughs> Amen, church. Hey, one, one last word. Look at verse number eight again, and those words, ye do well. Ye do well. Preacher, how is it that we as a church can do well by showing no favoritism, partiality, or discrimination toward anyone? Ye do well. Let's do well, church. Amen? Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.